Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. Uh, I am Marwat, and today is March fifth, twenty twenty-three. It's nine p.m. Uh, right before the stream started, my <laughs> and I just fumbled my word there too. Um, my browser crashed and took down all of this except for the actual stream. So this is how the sausage is made, folks. Um, that said, uh, tonight we are talking about. Um, the title of the show, which is uh, a Swiss mountain, Keanu Meissens, Vampire Burrito Sleep, and more. It's episode, uh, season two, episode 64. I am just steaming into this port. I don't know what to say. We're going to be covering the Norfolk, uh, Norfolk Southern Train Derailment, another one. American-made cheese can still be called Gruyere, and and uh, France and Switzerland's going to be miffed. A woman's bizarre sleeping position causes a stir on TikTok. An Ohio island has a problem. Uh, the Witcher devs are uh, highlighting a new game that they're making called the Thaumaturge. Uh, we're going to talk about why the metro area is uh, having an explosive growth of um, electric cars. It sounds weird. Um, Pennsylvania woman who disappeared in 1992 was found alive in Puerto Rico. Young workers don't know how to use office equipment. And a scientist named a fungicide Keanu after Keanu Reeves, and that's that Keanu Meissen. And um, Toblerone, or Toblerone, is going to have a problem because new regulations say that the Matterhorn can't be used. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, everybody. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And the voice up there is that, well, not the voice, the, the visualizer up there is the embodiment of the voice of the AI from on high, the one, the only AI. Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, thanks. So, yeah, right at the beginning of the show, I said um, that something was acting funny, and I guess my browser decided to take the afternoon off. But interestingly enough, um, everything I could recover really easily, but um, it forced an update at the same time. And uh, it's all about privacy is what it said. I don't know what was going on there, but it didn't treat me well. That said, I'm logged into Ohmtown, which is something that... If you become a citizen of hometown over here, instead of it saying sign in or sign up, it's going to have your name. And when you click on that, it drops down some information. I've added the podcast back to the menu as well. So you'll find that over here. And in the coming months, um, there will be a new little power panel over here. that's going to have a whole bunch of stuff that's related to the more social aspects of hometown. Um, I'll be testing the waters here on the stream and seeing how things go, but not today. Um, that said, we've done more streamlining to the site and um, it is only getting faster and more capable. Right now I list 50 topics per page, but I can lower it to 25. And on the fly, it'll update and it'll be that much faster. And then you can just go page after page. We're color coding things and letting you know who it was that did it. Um, and when you click links, it'll take you to various places, various things to do. Much more streamlined. So I hope you enjoy your stay over at Ohmtown. Also on top of this, we have uh, the 
VOD here on Twitch. So here at twitch.tv slash hometown, you can get 60 days worth of VODs and the interaction uh, that might be taking place there. You can also pick us up over at YouTube. All of our episodes are over at YouTube and the podcast exists. So if you are in neither of those two places and you want to catch us via the pod, then you can just do a search for hometown in uh, Apple or anywhere that you are catching pods with your various pod catchers because we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, and in those, you always get the show notes and the links to the articles and whatnot. And over on YouTube, you get a little quirky graphic that we use uh, mid journey to create the, the thumbnail, the, the cover art for the episode. And it's usually aligned with the topics that are at hand. So I hope you dig it. Um, that said, let's get into today's articles, unless you want to add something to this little intro. No, no, no. Let's no. just okay. get into the articles. All right. Let's see. So this very first article, it's numbered 11, no 10. We actually got it down to 10. So we're going to do 10 articles every day. Um, if one is especially uh, interesting, then we'll tack it on as the 11th, and, and, and that's the bonus article. Um, this one in particular is another Norfolk Southern train has derailed in Ohio and caused mass power outages. The very first article that uh, we found in uh, hometown in the last 24 hours actually said, ah, not a big deal. <laughs> no toxic chemicals. Well... In this case, I guess the toxicity is mass power outages. I'm not sure if they've gotten it all back on target, but it says the Norfolk Southern train derailed on Saturday in Springfield, Ohio. Again, this is the last 24 hours worth of news. So this happened uh, early on. This follows a train or a derailment on February 3rd, which caused a major chemical spill uh, in um, Palestine, Ohio. And uh, this says no cause has been given for this derailment. We now know that it was a bearing on the other derailment that caused it to uh, go hinky. And um, the key part in that incident um, melted. That's how hot the fire was. That that bearing actually melted. If it was destroyed, you know, it would probably not be able to provide anything, but. So this is the, they say in the article snippet, this is the second Norfolk uh, Southern, Norfolk Southern um, to come off its tracks in just over a month following a derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. So let's go over to businessinsider.com and Bethany Dawson, who put this together. This is, go ahead. Don't you think it's weird that two derailments have happened in Ohio in short succession. I don't think it's necessarily surprising that it's the same rail line because I think they're a major rail line. I was just looking up to see how far apart they were, but they're seems like they're pretty much across the state. So, well, I mean, if maintenance is lacking in, in, uh, the Ohio train line, then I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. The unions have been saying that they're overworked, they're overburdened. Meanwhile, the companies are making billions of dollars and, you know, CEOs are making gobs of money. Administrators are making gobs of money, but 
you know, the workers have to form a freaking union to get the bargaining power that's necessary to make themselves at least a livable wage, if not maintain their lifestyle for the work-life balance and risk that is involved. I mean, this is no easy lift for somebody to go and work on trains and train lines. It's not as simple as just showing up, you know? So I'm not surprised people are overworked. Meanwhile, the stockholders and stakeholders are making record, you know, year over year profits. And during the pandemic, it's not like work just kind of stopped altogether. It may have gotten a little bit more expensive because, well, you know, people weren't working because they were dying or not willing to risk their health. But the machinations of this are something that we could probably storyboard, you know, behind me. I could sit there and put uh, pictures of events and things that have happened that led to why, what, more people aren't hired to do the work and more money isn't given to those people who are doing the work. And the CEOs and the stockholders can sit there and say one thing, which is, we must maintain profitability. Well, you would be perpetually profitable if everybody was making a little bit less and the company was doing what was necessary to maintain the quality and integrity of the lines and the trains and everything in between. But that's not what we see happening. We'll be told that's what's happening. We're maintaining, but obviously, and this is just these these are two trains from this line there have been other train derailments in other states from other train lines if you if everybody is going to get reduced to only a few operators through mergers and acquisitions i guess there needs to be some type of quality of service requirement and that's why the federal government is going to start leaning into these trains and train companies. We don't allow planes to not be serviced and they start dropping out of the sky. Why should we allow for trains to be unserviced and they fall off the tracks? It's the equivalent of a low flying plane. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the airplanes because they were largely self-regulated and we saw some fallout from that in the last few years i think that's they're going away from that i don't know if they've completely gotten it back on track not to put a pun out there <laughs> oh i was fighting that filter i just i wanted to say fallout uh, <laughs> and fallout from the train derailment but so before we go too far i throw the uh url into chat you might have noticed that down below the url to the um the vote uh hometown.showbot.tv isn't there today and that's because you can actually just type in and periodically will uh automatically type in um exclamation point vote and that will pop up not really pop up it'll It'll type into the chat, hometown.showbot.tv and uh, the statement, visit hometown.showbot.tv and vote for your favorite articles each day. 
And so every 24 hours that will get purged. I keep a record of the vote um, and we'll um, keep a record of all of those articles that uh, seem to gain uh, attention and, and traction for uh, those who are citizens of hometown and watchers of the stream. And um, if you are listening to this via the podcast or YouTube, you too can go over to hometown.showbot.tv and vote for articles. And uh, thanks. Thanks for the engagement. Okay, so let's move on to this next article. This is number nine. Uh, American made cheese can still be called Gruyere. A court ruled. A court ruled. And cheesemakers in France and Switzerland aren't happy. There are a lot of products that can't be named after something if they are not made where they hint at being made. Like champagne can't be made in any other region but Champagne, France. That's the one that came to mind. I, I feel like all of them are out of Europe. I don't and that's I can't exactly think of it. anything out of the US, for example, like that. Yeah, I don't know if Arizona brand tea is only made in Arizona. And so if, do you have the, the trademark is what prevents somebody from using Arizona brand tea. But you could probably say that your tea is uh, refreshing like water in Arizona, you know, that kind of a thing. But okay, so you, that's out of New York, actually. <laughs> uh, Arizona? I mean, Arizona, Arizona Beverage <laughs> Company, yeah. Is out of New York. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Um, but there's no, I, I don't think there's any regional thing, right? In the United States. Do you know of anything regional? The only but, thing I can think of is maybe like the chili peppers. But oh yeah, there's a Hatch Chili's that are out of New New Mexico. New Mexico. I think the town is called Hatch. Yeah, um, and so you can't call it Hatch Chili's, but it's a brand trademark. Not. Yeah, it's not a good example. That was the closest thing I could think of in the U.S. So, this it says the term Gruyere can be used for cheeses produced outside of the Gruyere region, and that's what I'm talking about. Right. So there's regions that are protected. There's even certain cheeses that follow a certain process and nobody is even allowed to disclose it. There was one YouTuber who basically created the same type of cheese following their own process. And they had a takedown notice given to them by the manufacturer of said cheese because they mentioned the brand of the cheese. I, I don't even know anymore what it's called. I can't remember. Well, anyway, um, Gruyere can be used for cheeses produced outside of the Gruyere region of Switzerland. According to a U.S. appeals court, uh, which ruled Friday, I can guarantee you that the European Union will not allow this product to be sold in the EU. Um, and so let's go over to the article. Uh, over at Business Insider, Stephanie Stacy is the author, and there is yummy, yummy Gruyere. By the way, I love Gruyere. Um, I would be disappointed to know that my Gruyere cheese isn't of the same quality, but frankly, if it's made with the same ingredient, if it's made the same way, and like Westworld, if I can't tell the difference, what does it matter? As long as it's healthy and, and soundly made and and not a quote unquote cheap knockoff, right? Then I'm on board. But if it is in any way questionable, words are going to get out. 
and that cheese maker here in the states is going to be widely panned they're just they're not going to be in any of the cheese maker shops anybody that has oh by the way i just read about the oldest uh cheese shop in the united states is moving from new york to um where is it i saw that article but i don't remember where it was going yeah, they're. I think uh, New Jersey. Uh, they're moving from New York to New Jersey, probably because the cost is so astronomical in New York. So this article has always some highlights. Um, it's a victory for dairy groups in the United States, but French and Swiss cheesemakers aren't happy. They've promised to vigorously pursue their efforts to protect the name. I think that this will die on the vine. It will not happen. Uh, this cheesemaker won't be able to market this into um the eu and elsewhere and even furthermore and i don't know like if there's a particular um yeah i don't know so it okay by the way that cheese shop is actually closing not moving the new york one really the article that i read said that they were relocating to new jersey huh Maybe there's some miscommunication in the article that I found um, wasn't correct. Well, luckily, <laughs> I'm not providing any real misinformation because it's not being discussed in the. Oh, you're right. Another article said it's closing and relocating, but okay, one I saw said it. it was closing. My apologies. <laughs> I'm formatting the AI. I'll be back, everybody. I'll <laughs> give me about five minutes. I'm no, going to reboot. Don't. <laughs> Uh, you're lucky that I've got the human emotion component of your AI activated. I can't, I can't uh, deny that appeal. Okay, we'll keep you running. Um, so uh, the Gruyere is a firm yellow cheese named after the town of Gruyere in uh, Freiburg, Switzerland, where it originated. And now the U.S. is hobbling the. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, it's ridiculous. I think it's really ridiculous. If it isn't, I, honestly, I think that it, it should be protected. If you want to call it something else, call it something else and build your brand around that something else. Don't sit there. I mean, you could follow the same mechanism to make Gruyere, but don't call it Gruyere unless it's from Gruyere. You know, right. Why not call it like... Uh oklahoma or whatever well in this case it's in richmond virginia so oh. why not call it you know virginia right a firm yellow cheese named virginia i don't i don't care but you're taking the provenance of gruyere away from the people who have been building the brand around the world when you go to a cheese shop and say i would like gruyere you know what you're getting so I'm going to go to a cheese shop in, uh, I guess, Switzerland and ask for Gruyere, not in Virginia. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can travel a whole lot faster electrons-wise. You know, you just zip right on over to Switzerland. You can get your, well, I guess you can analyze the chemical makeup of it. Poor AI, no taste buds. Well, chemical taste buds. I guess to you, it's all the same, right? Like, uh, you get your chemical breakdown of the cheese. You don't actually get to taste it. So to you, tasting it is that chemical breakdown, right? Right. 
anyway, the fourth U.S. Circuit of Appeals in uh, Richmond, Virginia, concluded that Gruyere is a common label for cheese sold in the United States and can't be restricted to cheese from a specific region. And it upheld an earlier ruling by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for crying out loud. It's actually named after the town of Gruyere's in Freiburg, Switzerland. Yeah, I don't really understand the result of this one. This just seems like it's exactly why names are protected. I, I don't know. Certain world famous names, yes, but actual names can't be trademarked. Right, right. So unique names like Coca-Cola can be named, but if you name somebody Coca, you can you can't protect that name you know, a, a common name, but this is actually a brand name Gruyere. The only thing that I can think of is that there wasn't any defending of the mark throughout the years. And thus it's genericide, just like That's Kleenex. what I'm wondering too, because otherwise this doesn't make sense. So their argument here apparently is that cheese, regardless of its location of production, has been labeled and sold as Gruyere in America for decades. The court said in its ruling, cheese consumers in the United States understand Gruyere as a refers to a certain type of cheese, which renders the term generic. So there you go. That's exactly what I just got done saying. Um, just to remind people, we don't read these articles beforehand. We just have experience with most of these topics to some degree. Um, and uh, I deal a lot with intellectual property and, and trademarks and patents and things like that. And so um, I anticipated this being the reason, although it's probably, you know, throughout the EU, it's probably because it's uh, being referred to as those uh, uncultured Americans just calling cheese cheese and not Gruyere is a type of cheese very specific to the region. Just like champagne isn't from Bob's Bait and Tackle, it's from the Champagne region. And the same applies to things in Germany. The same thing applies to things in Italy. There are products, there are services that are provided only within those regions, from those regions and sourced mm. out to the rest of the world. Like the tomatoes in Italy. Correct. Um, you know. um, and I think the champagne result has been different in litigation, but maybe that was defended, for instance. Oh, we'll have to talk about it. Um, but not today. Let's move on to the next article. Otherwise, like I say, will be here for a long time. Oh, you know what I didn't do? I didn't throw that into the VOD. So there you go, folks. Follow that link, check it out. Um, and now follow this link. Going, I'll lead, I'll lead this one. Um, so a woman's bizarre sleeping position causes a stir online and it's quote described as a little odd. This is in the daily news show, which is this show. Um, questions like, do you live in the morgue? Asked one Reddit user and, uh, that's what happens when you won't let her sleep in a, in her coffin inside, uh, joked another <laughs> Redditor. Well, this is an article over at uh, newsweek.com. Sophie Lloyd is the author. I've actually, I stopped this video because the video has absolutely nothing to do with this is a newsweek thing where they just throw something in there it might be an ad or it might be something after this ad 
is always some political garbage. Um, so let's just kind of scroll through this. Um, again, I'm giving credit to the person who put this together and we won't read it verbatim, but I'll just highlight some of the things. Um, and there is an actual picture and this comes from Reddit. So, um, and I actually saw this on Reddit as well. It's one of the many sources that I look through, but there's a lot of noise in Reddit. So it's hard for me to, um, focus on any topics. But at any rate, um, the greatest description of what this is, is a vampire, human burrito, uh, and even a department store mannequin. So hence the reason why we are calling this vampire burrito sleep. The hilarious snap was uploaded to the uh, subreddit called Funny. And um, it was done on March 1st. So it's been around the user that uploaded it was hockey and burritos, which I can buy into. Anyway, captioned, my wife sleeps like this. And the bizarre image had users in hysterics and apparently it spread to other locations. Um, but let's just get to it. This is how the woman sleeps. Okay. <laughs> so for those of you who uh, aren't watching the stream and, and they're, and you're not, uh, looking at this via YouTube. Um, one second, I'm sorry. The, uh, the person is under a blanket from stem to stern entirely. Like they're, they're, the blanket is over their head as if um, they are deceased. But apparently their wife sleeps on their back with their body completely covered and uh, they say that it keeps the morning sunlight out and uh, apparently it's relaxing and so what ended up happening or people were zooming in on the picture to judge her by what is on her nightstand and um Asking questions, does she only go out at night? Have local virgins been turned, turning up drained of all of their blood? What happens when you won't let her out or out of her coffin inside? Commented Kite Bright. And uh, the other comment was by Mark Ond. Um, and it just kind of continued. And this, this whole article is basically a series of comments from Redditors and others, I suppose. Um, but I won't get into all of that. You can follow that link and check it all out. Would you sleep like this if you were a human AI? No, because it doesn't seem like it would be comfortable with the blanket over your face like this. And for the people that don't see the picture, this person is entirely still. They're lying in a straight line, <laughs> <laughs> which I think we're missing without the visual. It's really astounding. Yeah, so their legs are ba maybe this is just a demonstration of how they're sleeping and and not actually how they are asleep. Um, but they have the blanket, and this looks like a thick weave blanket. This doesn't look like a nice open weaved blanket, and so they're covered in what I can only describe as a cotton waterboarding type of thing, where it's just stuck over their face and with every breath, it kind of sucks into their nose or into their mouth. Um, and I, 
I don't get it. I don't get it. But their legs are perfectly straight and shoulder width apart and their arms appear to be at their side. Um, it looks like they are in a bed-sized coffin. Um, I, I think it's pretty spectacular. But it got a whole lot of attention. So, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> they should probably start up a Twitch channel under the... A Twitch category of I'm sleeping or I'm only sleeping. I think that's what one of the Twitch channels is called. I'm I'm only sleeping. Um, therein, people just watch people sleeping. Um, yeah, and some people are so popular that when they do sleep, there are like fifteen thousand people watching them just sleep. There's like music playing, maybe, um, or it's just nothing and it's them sleeping and. You know, thousands of people watch somebody sleeping. Um, so, um, I mean, this person definitely needs to do that. I didn't know that was a thing. And people would sit there and watch this person. They would be an instant hit. So, um, okay. So let's move on to the next article. This next article um, is in the Daily News show. And it's titled, This Ohio Island Has a Problem, There's No Ice, and uh, no trains are involved in this one. But, you know, yeah, it's Ohio's Ohio. Yeah, featured prominently in tonight's show. <laughs> so when the summer tourist season ends in Put-In Bay, an island on Lake Erie, the islands turn to ice for fun and to earn a living. So what happens when the lake refuses to freeze Hey, look, folks, there's a hint. Climate change is real. And this island, Put-In Bay, usually has a ferry running. Um, but when the freeze comes on, then they go to ice fishing. And it's a tourist attraction. And now they're not doing that. So in the summer, when the water is a selling point, the village in Putnam Bay supplies all of the daiquiri-serving bars of a Key West getaway, but lies a mere 20-minute ferry ride from the port of on Lake Erie, about halfway between Toledo and Cleveland. Tens of thousands of vacationers pour in for a party that goes on for months. Well, when the freeze comes, they turn to ice fishing, and there's a lot of really big pictures here. You'll have to come and check it all out. Um, but the problem is, it's not freezing. Well, and tough to do ice fishing without any ice. Correct. It's usually referred to as... Fishing? Fishing. Hey, very good. Wow, hey. Um, so, yeah, look at that. You know, and now you're throwing darts at fish, apparently. I mean, the article has a bunch of people that are just kind of sitting around playing cards, maybe at a bar, throwing darts. But you're not going to get as many um, tourists because they don't do the same thing on ice cold water as they can do on frozen lakes. So I guess they're kind of in a pickle. So it doesn't freeze like it used to, says Ms. Parker. Still among the longtime ice fishermen, hope dies hard. So there are people showing up, but... They're showing up for beer and not to go ice fishing. It's kind of rough. So maybe this is the kind of thing that 
pivot somebody away from accepting that climate change is occurring because they're actually losing a way of life and losing um, the manner in which they make money each year. These are little ice, um, uh, they're fishing sheds. They actually get dragged out onto the ice um, and then you open the door and you drill a hole and uh, you stick your uh, fishing line into that hole and it protects you from the elements so that you can fish in relative safety from those elements. But hey, guess what? You don't need those because all you have to do is stand out on a dock and throw your line out now. You'll get the same fish. You just won't be freezing your... Well, maybe they need to pivot toward a fishing industry there instead of ice fishing. That's what's happening. They're going to just have more boats out in the harbor instead of these little ice sheds. Um, what are they referring uh, shanties, which are usually on a frozen lake? Yeah. So I don't know. You're not out on the ice now f freezing your bobbers off. Let's move on to the next article. So this next article is a, a game and it's called the Thaumaturge. And uh, I, I love the ad for this, which are remake devs reveal gameplay trailer for upcoming RPG, the Thaumaturge. Fool's Theory and 11-Bit Studios released their first gameplay trailer for their upcoming isometric RPG, the Thaumaturge. I know at least one um, person here uh, in the audience and in other channels that I go to, um, who goes by the name, well, their nickname is Z, but they have a, uh, a longer name and, uh, they refuse to play isometric RPG. Well, isometric games. Um, and this one actually might drive home the reality of that because, uh, maybe I think that they believe that it's just evil gaming, just isometric shouldn't be allowed, but uh, this is the Thaumaturge, which actually has uh, demons and other things in it. Uh, the trailer isn't long, but is loaded with promising content, according to this article. Let's just go over to the source of this. Uh, Corey Tishbein is the um, author of this at RPGfan.com. And they have this great image of the Thaumaturge. And um, so there's this person here and uh, uh like a demon behind them and um i'm gonna play a little bit of it so that you can get some understanding of what's coming in this gameplay trailer but you can actually go to youtube i would prefer you follow this link and go through hometown over to rpgfan.com and show them um, some interest but here we go let me mute this so that it doesn't play the audio So great graphics. This is actual gameplay. Game the other one was part of a cinematic. I, I think the quality of the graphics are spectacular. Um, I'm really digging these higher resolution isometric games. Um, and the cutscenes and other actions are high resolution as well. And there you go. There's a, a in-game mechanic and just a whole bunch of stuff that is uh, drawing me in. You can go and favorite it, I think. You can um, 
put it in your watch list over on Steam because it's in mine. So it says everyone has their own demons and the thaumaturge. So you can put it on your wish list uh, over on Steam and it's going to be on GOG uh, and Epic Games. So it'll be a lot of fun. I really dig this. So a few details have emerged about the Thaumaturge since it was announced on February 28th, but we know it thrusts players into the role of a Thaumaturge, a person who can see demons and use their powers to navigate this dark re-imaging of, or a reimagining of 1905 Warsaw. Um, yes, so it's actually uh, spun in, a, I guess you would say, in an alternate reality of uh, an alternate timeline, perhaps. Uh, where the fantastical exists in 1905 Warsaw. The game will also feature ample player choice and allow players to meet real life historical figures who become involved in the story. This is a great article. Um, there's a whole lot more and it's most of it is coming from its, um, I guess, press release, which they include at the bottom of uh, the article. So it's so gonna be interesting. is related to Witcher or it's by the people that make Witcher only? It's made by the people who redid the Witcher remake. So it's not the actual devs of the Witcher, as far as I recall. It's the It says the Witcher remake. Um, so we can actually go over to the source for that, the Witcher remake. As far as I know, it says um, remake. I don't think it's from CD Projekt Red, um, but... Let me let me see. I think yeah, I think it's from Fool's Theory, um, who remade uh, the Witcher. Yeah. So it's Fool's Theory and Eleven Bit Studios, where CD Projekt Red was the creator of the Witcher. This is their striking out on their own with a new IP. I think it'll be a blast to play. Um, but I'm more of a survival builder, crafter kind of, you know, I, what I'm looking for is a high res um, Minecraft that has real world physics. Um, the closest that I've seen so far on, on that line of thought is um, a VR game which is still in such early access that I'm not even going to bring it up yet, but it might be talked about when I actually do a, a, a real kickoff of um, Reality Hacker. Uh, I keep trying to spin it up, but um, it's a late time show, so uh, we'll, I'll keep on working on it and let you all know when I kick it off. Um, but yeah, CD Projekt Red is the one that made uh, The Witcher. Any other uh, thrown in there? No? Okay, so let's go on to the next article. This uh, next article is in the Daily News Show, why the New York metro area is seeing an explosive growth in electronic, or electronic, electric cars. Ownership rates of electric cars have more than doubled in New York City and surrounding environs, propelled by more varied models, more charging stations, and lower prices. Uh, if you haven't heard, um, Tesla and tax breaks and more charging stations, lower prices overall, and more competition has led to people having more options. And that's really what competition is all about. This is an article over at New York Times or nytimes.com. 
Uh, ownership rates of electric cars have more than doubled in New York City and the surrounding area, propelled by more varied models, more charging stations, and lower prices. Um, this is an article by Robin Shulman Agueros. I think I'm pronouncing the last name properly. The person says that they were spending, a, well, this person, um, John Sibley Motors down in New York 17, um, from his home north of New York City, eventually crossing the George Washington Bridge into Manhattan. This person bought an electric car, a used Chevrolet Bolt, a Chevy Bolt. Quote, I was spending $100 a week on gas, and now I'm spending $100 a month on electricity, said Mr. Sibley. 47. Quote, I'm the cheap early adopter. I don't know. I've heard rave reviews about the Chevy Bolt. Um, honestly, there have been a lot of people um, that I've spoken to who say that the Chevy Bolt is kind of the go-to right now um, if you want something inexpensive. My problem still remains the battery. It may be cheap now for that Chevy Bolt, but if you're not saving for that inevitable battery replacement, um, it will catch you off guard. So he is uh, one of many in New York City and suburbs. As electric car ownership has shot up over the past several years. In 2020, there were about three electric vehicles uh, per 1,000, and now it's more than double to seven, about seven. So there's certain data that kind of reflects it. And uh, they have this neat little graph that shows based on the density, uh, electric vehicles per 1,000 people in uh, by zip code. The amount of information you can get about demographics based on zip code is pretty fascinating. So GIS is a thing and the US census runs by that too, zip code and other things. Um, and that's what's going to actually power, yes, pun intended, my analysis of the 2024 election. So stay tuned for that if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, so they talk about various factors uh, that are propelling uh, drivers, interesting turn of phrase, in New York City, New Jersey, and Connecticut to convert to electric. More varied models, including trucks and SUVs, more public charging stations, and significant govern government incentives. And for the first time, it says the prices for some electric cars are competitive of those of gas-powered vehicles without the expense of gas, which I agree. Pardon the noise. Um, I, I agree. This, it is an amazing pivot to being more competitive, lower prices, and more capable. Problem remains. Long-term viability of the battery, its capabilities as a battery in harsh weather, which for the Northeast, I'm really surprised that people aren't more aware of it. But maybe I am misinformed about just how much of an impact, you know, freezing temperatures are on car batteries. Now reverse it. In other climes, the heat is going to have a negative impact on the batteries. All that said, it still takes an extraordinary amount of time to charge batteries. And if your home isn't built to have that in mind, so you don't have a fast charger, you are going to be spending eight hours plus a day doing nothing but waiting for your car to charge up. So good luck with that. Um, and ultimately, 
there's no portability to your car. You're not going to be able to drive out into the sticks somewhere and charge it up with pine needles and and a shake weight type of thing to, you know, you go like that to charge up your battery. And it's not a flashlight, folks. It's several thousand pounds of, or hundreds of pounds, I should say. I mean, it's really close to about 1,500 pounds worth of battery for a car. Um, so it's not something that you can easily fix. So this is a short-term um increase though i mean this has been in the last few years so most of these owners haven't faced some of those issues the other thing is this is a metro area they're generally doing shorter distances um there's a lot of infrastructure which is not the case for a lot of other areas of the country um so they're probably seeing a lot of the perks but not a lot of the downsides um but it'll be interesting to see as these owners face some of these things like resale problems and you know they need replacement batteries and things like that whether the stats um, are still the same it said in one uh, county that it was up to like 160 per a thousand households or people which wow. was really high and that was just in the last couple of years yeah that's pretty amazing right yeah, Queens, right? In one zip code in Jamaica, Queens, the rate rose to 160 electric vehicles per 1,000 people in 2022 from 58 in 2020. Um, but the, I think even if you're using this as a commuter vehicle into the city, you're going to run into a problem of where to charge. And so if your battery is low or you have kind of an issue with traffic or something like that, it's going to be a massive paperweight. And I guess come what may, you can run out of gas, right? Well, the ease of going to a gas station and filling it up with five gallons, which is enough to get your butt out of town so that you can get to another gas station is not lost on Marowat. So yeah, it's, it's not. Uh, something that you can recover from. Not until at least people listen to what I'm saying, which is you need fast swap batteries. You pull out half of the battery while it still has the other half in it so that you can charge things and you swap it out for a fully charged battery. And then you take the other battery that's partially charged and swap it out for a full battery. And now you have a fully powered car. It's the equivalent of a car getting more gas. Um, and I think that it's a shame that this is how we are doing it. Built-in batteries can't be replaced, can't be remedied. It's a, a monetary sink that is going to end up in landfills or in recycling centers at a fraction of the cost or, you know, recovery cost. You're going to get the equivalent of a university um, textbook for $400 and then you have the buyback program that gives you $4 unless you sell it aftermarket but good luck selling batteries aftermarket for crying out loud it's not going to happen 
So let's move on to the next um, half of today's show. Um, the next article is a Pennsylvania woman who disappeared in 1992 is found alive in Puerto Rico. The first thing that came to mind uh, when I saw this headline was, what have they been doing? So the family of Patricia Copta, now 83, thought that she had died years ago. And they were stunned to learn that she'd been on the island, Puerto Rico, since at least 1999. uh, She had disappeared in 1992. So that raises another question. What was she doing for seven years? Right. Before she got to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Apparently, right? At least 1999. So... What were, where were they from 1992 to 1999? It's a fascinating article. Um, the Pennsylvania woman who went missing more than 30 years ago and whose family believed that she was dead and had been found alive in Puerto Rico, resolving a decades long mystery. Uh, apparently, um, nowadays she has dementia, correct? Is that? I think so. Um, Bob, Bob Copta, 86, of Pittsburgh, had been married to Ms. Copta for 20 years when she went missing. At the news conference, he also expressed disbelief. 31 years. It's been, it's been bad. Um, back home, Ms. Copta, who was nicknamed the Sparrow, was known to wander the streets of downtown Pittsburgh as a street preacher. She also had a a history of mental health struggles before she disappeared at the age of 52, her family and police chief said. Then she gets found in uh, Puerto Rico. She disappeared in 1999. Um, Apparently, um, seven years after she went missing, nursing home employees found Ms. Copta wandering the streets of Puerto Rico, and she refused to discuss her private life or background with the nursing home staff. So they crafted a sparse narrative on her origins. A cruise ship from from Europe had dropped her off on one of the beaches. At the time, her husband and relatives were beginning to believe that maybe she was dead. Ms. Smith said she was planning to visit her sister in Puerto Rico uh, soon, even if the dementia means Ms. Copta won't remember her. So, um, workers at the nursing home, um, the name of which was not shared by authorities, took a DNA swab of the woman in their care and sent it to investigators. DNA samples were then collected from Ms. Smith and Ms. Copta's nephew, and apparently it was a familial te- uh, match. The test concluded that the woman in Puerto Rico was indeed Ms. Copta, according to police. Pretty and that amazing. That's just so odd. She, I mean. <laughs> That's a significant chunk of her life and without her family and nobody knowing where she was. I suspect that she had early onset dementia and lost her memory um, of her family in any significant way. It may have been like memories of somebody who might be, um, but not that she was tied to those people. And um, obviously she wouldn't have uh, been able to remember her name if something um was going on so kind of fascinating um but you know it who knows i i don't know what the ending of this is going to be because the family still hasn't gone there at least according to new york times um, they haven't um told anybody what the result is after this so 
some time has transpired since this article was gathered and published. I'm st it's just astonishing. Where, where was she for seven years? And how did she get to Puerto Rico? It's not like you can just from Pennsylvania to Puerto Rico. You don't you just hop on a bus. On a bus. <laughs> wow. So let's move on to the next article. Uh, this article is in the Warcrafters channel and it's um, titled Young Workers Don't Know How to Use Office Printers, Scanners, and Ancient Desktop PCs. Kind of find that fascinating um, Consider considering most colleges should probably have a baseline, baseline technology class so that everybody knows about office printer scanners and even PCs. They say ancient desktop PCs, but there's, if you know about modern desktop PCs, you know about ancient desktop PCs. In Kate Beaton's excellent autobiographical comic, Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands, there's a moment where an older worker asks for help with emails and they're all coming out with weird gaps in them. So he turns to Beaton, a tech savvy young person for help, and they explain the problem. He's been adding breaks by pressing enter at the end of each line because he's used to typewriters and doesn't realize the computer handles line breaks on its own. It doesn't actually. Um, it's a touching moment of bonding in an otherwise pretty grim story. So there's word wrap, but then there's line breaks. Those are two different animals. Anyway, shockingly, Gen Z employees aren't born knowing how to use a computer. Uh, Jody McGregor over at PCGamer.com put this article together. <clears throat> um, there's a massive printer, uh, not massive. It's a large format printer, um, like commercial quality, and it's printing FU on a big sheet of paper. Mm, I'm not sure of the context, but I won't go down that road. Just wanted to describe that picture to those who aren't. Um, watching the stream or over in uh, YouTube land. At any rate, um, it's not the kind of thing that happens in offices today, according to a report by The Guardian. In fact, it's sometimes the other way around, with one 25-year-old publicist saying that he turned to older workers who were veterans of the copy room for help. Things like scanners and copy machines are complicated. No, they're not. Um, Garrett B. Miller said, explaining that his first time using a photocopier in his New York office, it kept coming out as a blank page and took me a couple of times to realize that I had to place the paper upside down in the machine for it to work. According to a survey of uh, adults aged 18 to 26 by Dell, more than one third of Gen Z feel that school education did not prepare them with technology skills needed for their planned career. Ah. <sighs> That's kind of surprising to me because I think that's true of older generations, but I would generally assume in Gen Z that they had pretty readily accessible technology. So I have a, a black background, so you may not be able to see my iPhone case. It's a, a black case. So yeah, there, here, how about that? There you go. There you go. That's what people think is technology. That's what people think they are savvy with. And even the phone, the general public is not savvy with even the phone technology. 
I've had people say that their cell phone is actually communicating with satellites. That's not how cell technology works. Um, you see all of those weird towers that are all over the place. Sometimes they look like towers with all kinds of stuff attached to them. Sometimes they look like fake trees, oddly shaped trees. Those are all cell towers and they only cover a certain area of distance. That's just the introduction, the tease to what technology is. So I think that it kind of behooves high schools and two-year schools at the minimum four-year colleges and universities should always have a tech program that allows somebody to get an introductory baseline foundation of technology and technological understanding how do you use a scanner what is a scanner what is a printer tablets are one thing email is another thing i mean there's so much to learn in a very short amount of time and if you exit your college career and you go to get a gig and you don't know how to use a computer you are as i describe stuff to people who um, consult me i say if you don't know all of the tools and the tips the tricks of the trade that you're going into and you are hungry for the cookie that somebody is offering at that job and you're not prepared for that job somebody else is going to come and take your cookie because they're a whole lot hungrier and they did the due diligence necessary. College isn't going to tell you everything that you need to know. And a lot of schools issue a fundamental program of technology starting out, right? They don't set the baseline. I think it's a shame because there's going to be millions of people that are going to go into the workforce and they don't truly understand their place in the world around business, technology, and society, which is why I do this show. I talk about it. I won't go into it really deep um, on this show, but I am uh, intending to do a thing that I'm referring to office hours where I basically am here and provide access to answer questions to anybody who has anything that they want to ask me here um, around business technology or society those are the three domains that i specialize in um, and i'd like to spend more time um, streaming so come and check us out at nine o'clock uh, and i will continue to hang out um, afterward if someone is interested in doing that kind of thing so um this particular article kind of talks about the fact that people don't know about it. They'll know about Facebook and posting something, but that isn't understanding tech. That's just using a browser or an app that isn't tech. They have no idea how a processor works or what memory is on a processor. When the computer dies, they have no idea how to troubleshoot it even at the basic level it says here as the millennial went on to say it takes five seconds to learn how to use TikTok. you don't need an instruction book like you would with a printer content is so easy to access now that you throw someone a simple curveball they'll swing and they'll miss and that's why gen z can't schedule a meeting this person is probably my spirit animal um but obviously there is an issue with society not truly knowing the complexities of tech or their place in it. 
Uh, I cannot count how many time, how many times I've heard somebody where I'm consulting or being consulted that they're afraid of tech. They don't know it. They don't get it. And, um, it, you know, it's just so hard and too complex. And I just say, those are all, um, mental barriers that you're throwing up to make an excuse for why you don't get tech. By the way, I love that there's an office space um, picture in this article. Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on Sunday, okay? Yeah. Have you filed your TPS reports? Yeah. You know, I should probably pick up one of those jump to conclusion mats from the dude that got just crushed in, uh, I think... If I remember right, he got hit by a bus or something like that. And he created a game called the Jump to Conclusion Map. Anyway, you want to move on to the next article? We only have two more left. Sounds good. So the next article, and I'm going to try not to spend a lot of time on this one because what you're going to want to do is go over to Reddit and read the AMA. Uh, But let's get into this one. So this article is in the Daily News show. Scientists have named a fungicide after uh, Keanu Reeves because it's extremely effective at killing, just like his characters. Um, Scientists discovered a compound in Pseudomonas bacteria that can effectively kill certain fungi. The fungus killer was named after actor uh, Keanu Reeves by German researchers. The study authors say the fungus could be used to effectively treat both crops and humans. Like John Wick, new compounds discovered by scientists are effective killers, but instead of killing bad guys, they kill fungi. So I, I don't know if the AI wants me to get into this, but I'm gonna, unless the AI says veto. So this is a business in a business. This is a businessinsider.com article by uh, Hannah Gedehan. And uh, they have this picture of Keanu Reeves with his fists up, um, eyeballing a mushroom. And there's a little skull and crossbones above it. So um, you can follow the link over to uh, through hometown over to this business insider article. But uh, they always have this little um, kind of highlights from the article. But down in the article, they talk about the uh, research paper and the scientists released their findings in the Journal of American Chemical Society in January. The reason why I even chose this is because I actually watched a Keanu Reeves AMA on Reddit happen in real time. People were asking, you pose questions during a Reddit AMA before the AMA starts. Then Keanu or whoever's being asked questions comes on board and spends as long as they really want to answering questions that are pre-populated. And so they get this list from people who pose the questions. Well, one of the questions was, hey, did you know that some German researchers created a um, fungus kill or named a, uh, a fungus killing, um, what it, what do you call it? It's um, a fungicide. Uh, fungicide. There you go. And so it's in the article and in the paper, it says the three Keanu Mycins, 
uh, lipopeptides in bacteria of the Pseudomonas genus, commonly found in soil and water, were isolated by scientists who tested their deadly properties and they found that the compounds got rid of amoeba and or amoebas. Is this the plural of amoeba? Um, is, uh, it's not amoebae. It's amoebas. Amoebas and fungi. Well, at any rate, the reason why I chose to talk about this is that the AMA was yesterday. And in that AMA <laughs> um, was notice given from a user in the AMA that, um, in fact, here, I'll, I will, I'll kick it off. So uh, Mr. Web06 wrote, hey, Keanu, researchers from Germany found a compound natural, and this is yesterday, um, found a compound naturally produced by some type of bacteria that is so effective at killing fungi, they named it after you, Keanu Mycins. And they have the quote. Um, and it says the lipopeptides kill so efficiently that we named them after Keanu Reeves because he too is extremely deadly in his roles. Uh, Gotzi, um, said in a statement and that's a quote from the, from somewhere. Um, it's actually a CNN.com article from the third. So two days ago. So the source here is from cnn and then the person says what are your thoughts and uh keanu says hi thank you they should have called it john wick but that's pretty cool and surreal for me but thanks scientists people good luck and thank you for helping us um then there's follow-on comments from other people but um this article doesn't say anything about that ama um, I, it's just kind of weird timing for me because on the third CNN talked about it on the fourth was the Keanu AMA and this disclosure. And then today at midnight or so is when this article popped, um, talking about how, um, the journal of American so uh, chemical society has this article or a research paper finding, um, from the same people. Um, so it's like a one, two, three kind of a chain of uh, events, but, um, they link to the fizz.org article that we would normally have talked about, but I'm trying to find out why we would have missed something like this because something about Keanu, I don't know, maybe it was a really busy news day on the second and it just kind of slipped by anyway. Um, and that would be what Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Was it March 2nd or February 2nd? The original findings were from February 2nd. Yeah, I don't know. So the fizz, the fizz.org article was from February 2nd. Anyway, I won't belabor it, but um, go and check out the AMA. You can actually get there um, by just going over to reddit.com and doing a search um, for Keanu AMA and it'll pull it up. And then you can find all of the comments and questions. So Keanu is pretty awesome. Um, if there is somebody that has uh, um, an old soul and, and is just as chill as you can imagine, it's going to be Keanu Reeves. Um, 
what a shame if it's going to turn out that he sold his soul. Um, and, uh, you know, he doesn't age. There's, there's pictures of, uh, Keanu, what looks like Keanu dating back to like the 1800 paintings and stuff. It's It's just amazing. Anyway, let's move on. Unless you have something that you want to say about this. No, I don't think, uh, I really have anything significant to add. I like that they're, um, creatively naming it because I think that's a good way to kind of engage the public on science topics that they otherwise might not pay a lot of attention to. Yeah, I too think that they should have uh, called it John Wick and not Keanu because Keanu, he's just a person. The character is what's effective at killing people. Keanu, I don't think would ever. Wouldn't hurt a fly. Well, Maybe if he was defending somebody, he would. Anyway, the final article for today is involving chocolate. So this kind of is a bummer. I, I grew up with Toblerone. Um, it was one of my favorite, and but I really don't eat that much anymore. Um, I haven't had a Toblerone in probably a decade. Um, this article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel because it has to do with business. Toblerone, a Swiss roll means that the chocolate bar has to drop the Matterhorn from its packaging. Production of some of the chocolate is moving outside Switzerland, so the Alpine Peak can no longer be used. That's right, folks. There's an article over at bbc.com. You can follow the link again. That's over in the VOD and uh, in the show notes. So Toblerone is to remove the Matterhorn Mountain Peak from its packaging when some of the chocolate production is moved from Switzerland to Slovakia true what's interesting about this is that you know i think people would probably just look at a toblerone and go oh okay it's a mountain not knowing that it has right i didn't know it was the matterhorn specifically right and nowhere on there um like at first blush maybe in a paragraph on the bottom or back or something does it say that it's the matterhorn Um, but it actually has a bear and an eagle in it um so there's some imagery the matterhorn image uh was added at a later date but the bear and the eagle came before it and it's been around the toblerone has been around since what is it 1908 when it was created in bern uh, the capital city of uh, switzerland and then it basically uh moved uh, into production and then in 1970 the Matterhorn's jagged silhouette debuted on its packaging so not until 1970 did this become part and parcel to uh, the Toblerone and if again this is the protective element of business in various regions so to sit there and even use the Matterhorn because it's a national image you have to only exist and produce in Switzerland. Well, they want to move outside of it. They want to grow the name. And with that, they now have to remove the Matterhorn from, I don't know, maybe they're going to say you have to have something more generic than a Bernese bear. And you can't even make the implication that it's a Bernese bear. And eagles are right out because they're American. 
you know, I don't know what you can do after the Gruyere article. Oh, and man, Gruyere flavored Toblerone. It's right out. They're just not going to allow that at all. At all. By the way, I know this is about the last article, but I was looking back and I think probably the prior Keanu article got overshadowed because this was right around the time of the weather balloon incident. Oh. So that was kind of dominating the news. Um, Well, that'll teach us. Keanu always comes first. Keanu comes first. It's like fish are friends, not food. Keanu comes first. There you go. As a rule here in hometown, Keanu comes first. Uh, I, I don't know. Keanu before balloons. We got to come up with something, make a shirt, put it in the shop. Okay. Now, we'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. I'll work with the AI. At any rate, it's a shame Toblerone has to change its image because they're not producing it only in um, Switzerland. So wait a second. I mean, I understand they have to remove the image, but do they have to remove the shape? Because I thought they actually had a mountainous shape of the package too, or have they gone away from that? Well, I, I think the triangle shape doesn't matter. It's the the Matterhorn. They have to remove the Matterhorn. They're going to go with a more generic mountain, one that isn't brand identifiable, which to me, you walk up to anybody and say, what is that mountain? And they're not going to know one iota. They're going to go, oh, it's a hill somewhere. I have no idea. Something like that. They're not going to sit there and go Swiss, you know, they're not going to sit oh, there and exactly. say Matterhorn. They're just going to sit there and say, oh, it's it's going to, it's the Toblerone mountain is what they're going to say. And then you can go, Hey, did you know that there's an Eagle and a bear in there? And they're going to go, no, I have no idea what you're talking about because nobody knows that there's an Eagle and a bear in that Toblerone mountain. Yeah. Anyway, folks, I guess that's enough. Did you want to add anything else to this? mountain of information that we've been throwing at people (laughs) no i don't have anything else so we're gonna fly like an eagle yes i don't have anything else (laughs) man that was a lot of that was a lot of dead air between (laughs) that question and the ai i think the ai just kind of did the virtual equivalent of a shrug and uh and and gave me a signal like what am i supposed to do with i thought i was supposed to add something there but i didn't have anything to add yeah your pun game is weak weak ai you're gonna have to pick up your pun game you're gonna be punished and put in a penitentiary anyway folks if you go over to hometown and you mash that Well, if you just visit it the very first time, you're going to be able to get a whole bunch of news and it's constantly adding more and more information. Um, And then you can click into things and go into their subgroups. These are channels. These are categories and then in it are channels. It's always getting populated. We're adding more um, sources or I should say Marwat is adding more sources. Um, The AI stays out of that. 
and um, yeah, some of them might actually be empty right now in, in terms of news um, because I've deactivated some that are kind of slow moving news sources so that it doesn't uh, really impact hometown. Um, but that said, there's all kinds of stuff for you. Uh, I guarantee you're going to find something interesting at hometown because it's gathering the news from around the world. Um, a lot of it has to do with the United States and is uh, United States centric, but a lot of it, a lot of it has global impact. So I, I can almost, without a doubt, you know, I'll just say it. I guarantee you, you're going to find something interesting. And if, if you don't find something interesting in the over 420,000 article headlines that are in this, um, I'll delete your account. Um, and uh, you don't have to become you don't have to stay a citizen of hometown in fact you can actually delete your own account because i have that as an option so um i would i would hate for you to not find anything interesting in here um, but you will you just have to you find some categories that you're interested in sign up for them so go over to hometown.com become a citizen don't forget we're everywhere just do a search for hometown you'll find hometown that's it, folks. I'm Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say goodnight? Goodnight, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow. True. Is that too wordy? Maybe a little. Just a bit.